a very happy Easter to the congregation this morning. And uh, we especially want to uh, give a very warm welcome uh, to so many of you who are uh, visiting with us today. We're so grateful you're here. And uh, wow, what a great service we've had thus far. Roman soldiers stood staring at a giant stone that was rolled away. Rolled away from the empty tomb that they had been sent to investigate and to resecure. Upon looking at that huge stone rolled away, And the empty tomb. One Roman soldier said to his centurion, standing next to him, Well, I guess the only thing certain now is taxes. I've got some great news for you this morning. And I've got some bad news for you this morning. The great news is, death has been swallowed up in victory. The bad news is, some 2,000 years later, you still owe taxes. And uh, just by way of public service announcement, you have 10 days to get those in. What Jesus says at funerals. This morning, as we come together to celebrate Easter, I want us to look at a man. A man in the scriptures who I believe is going to really minister to us this morning. He's a man who I believe truly, truly tapped into the power of the resurrection. We'll be reading from Mark chapter 5. I'll be reading from the New Century Version, beginning in verse 21. It says, When Jesus went in the boat back to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him there. A leader of the synagogue named Jairus came there, saw Jesus, and fell at his feet. He begged Jesus, saying again and again, My daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she will be healed and live. So Jesus, Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed Jesus and pushed very close around him. Among them was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered very much from many doctors and spent all the money she had, but instead of improving, she was getting worse. When the woman heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched, touched his cloak. She thought, if I could just touch his clothes... I will be healed. 
Instantly, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she had been healed from her disease. At once, Jesus felt power go out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? His followers said, Look at how many people are pushing against you. And you asked, who touched you? But Jesus continued looking around to see who had touched him. The woman, knowing that she had been healed, came and fell at Jesus' feet, shaking with fear. She told him the whole truth. And Jesus said to her, Dear woman, you are made well because you believe Go in peace and be healed from your disease. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of the synagogue leader. They said, your daughter is dead. There is no need to bother the teacher anymore. But Jesus paid no attention what they said. He told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, just believe. Jesus let in only Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, to go with him. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus found many people there making lots of noise and crying loudly. Jesus entered the house and said to them, Why are you crying and making so much noise? The child is not dead, only asleep. But they laughed at him. They laughed at him. So after throwing them out of the house, Jesus took the child's father and mother and his three followers into the room where the child was. Taking hold of the girl's hand, he said to her, Talatia Como, this means, young girl, I tell you, stand up. At once, the girl stood right up and began walking. She was 12 years old. Everyone was completely amazed. You think? (laughs) Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell the people about this. Then he told them to give the girl something to eat. Sounds like a teenager to me. I don't care if it's Easter morning or it's a typical Monday morning you got to love this story of God in the flesh. And I love the character of Jarius. Oh, how I believe we need to imitate Jarius. I believe he perfectly models two qualities. If the power of the resurrection is truly going to be laid hold in your life today. 
You know, if I can speak very frankly, some of you we won't see again till Christmas. We call you the lilies and poinsettia people. Because usually those are the flowers that are here when you come. But I'm not trying to insult you. In fact, we're thrilled you're here. I'm just trying to help you understand, is this really all that the resurrection is going to mean in your life? You see, I think there's so much more here. There's so much more to be had, and we've got to look this morning at really what is the message of the resurrection and how do you tap that power daily in the life you're living Imagine the scene that we just read about. Jesus lands on the shore like so many other times when he's around. There's just this crowd that is drawn to him, this multitude. And once again here, a huge crowd gathers. Jarius, man, he had to really make some effort to get through that crowd in search of Jesus to urgently plead with help. He has decided, you see, he must get to Jesus because his precious little child is dying. Can you imagine that scene as he he is hemmed in by the crowd, pushing, shoving, rudely trying to get position to get to the center where the crowd has eventually broken, and there in the midst is Jesus. You see, I think we've got to understand who Jairus really was in that society. The Bible tells us he was the leader of the synagogue. That may not mean a whole lot to you and I in the 21st century, but in the days of Christ, the leader of the synagogue in his community would have been probably the most, if not one of the most prominent men in that community. You see, the synagogue was the center of religion. But it was also in those days the center of education, the center of leadership, the center of social activity. Everything revolved around the synagogue And the leader of the synagogue, well, he was a man of great influence. Sort of the mayor, if you will. The best-known citizen, all in one. He was a man of position, prestige, and power. You see, Jarius, unlike many of us, he had it all. Job security, a guaranteed greeting everywhere he went. I bet he even had a pension plan. He had golf every Thursday and an annual all-expense-paid trip, no doubt, to the National Convention. Who could ask for more? Yet Jarius does. He has to ask for more. In fact, he would, I guarantee you, trade all the perks, all the prestige, For the one assurance that his precious little 12-year-old daughter would live. 
You see, do we really need to be reminded this morning that death, death is the great equalizer of us all. It's probably about one of the only things that every single one of us in this room, strangers among us, most certainly we can know, have in common. And that brings us to really what I believe is the first of two very essential qualities we've got to grab a hold of today if we're going to tap the real power that's available to us in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The first quality is that I see Jairus was desperate to get to Jesus. He was desperate to get to Jesus. You know, I find myself sharing that often about people in the Gospels. It seems to be a very common quality that anybody who has their life truly impacted by Christ has going for them. A real sense of desperation. The definition of desperate means being almost beyond hope. It's synonymous with those words you see there, daring, bold, audacious, determined, reckless. Does that even come remotely close to describing your spiritual life? The man was determined to get to Jesus to do whatever it took. And you know what? So must we. So must we be that desperate to get to Jesus. You know, I see three things in this passage that desperation produced in Jarius. The first one is that desperation produced humility. The Bible says he fell at Jesus' feet. The word fell means simply to descend from a higher place to a lower place. I'm keeping it really simple for you here this morning. Do you have any idea how humbling it would have been for the leader of a synagogue to go to the most controversial man in that day and ask for help. The man who had been put out of most synagogues. The man who had threatened most status quo religion. It's not like Nicodemus. He didn't go at night. He goes in full view. In one gesture, one simple gesture, he puts everything on the line. His position, his security, all his friends. When was the last time you gave up something of real value in your life to get closer to Jesus? What are you holding on to that at this very hour, keeps you from getting close to Jesus 
in your life at this hour. Maybe it's a relationship. I know it was in my life at age 20 when I was wrestling with the call to come closer to Jesus. Maybe it's your family and how they might react to your change. For a lot of people, it's just favorite sin. Favorite sin that you want to hold on to. And for everybody, ultimately, it's yourself that can keep you from getting closer to Jesus. Desperation, boy, when you're desperate, it produced a humility and Jarius where all those other issues were out of mind. The only thing that mattered was getting to Jesus. Desperation also, secondly, produced a trust. A trust in Jarius. He was aware that he was in a situation well beyond his control. There was nothing he could do, no matter how hard, how desperately he tried. You know, I just want to tell you real simply, that's a really good place to be at if you want to tap the power of the resurrection in your life. You see, I believe when you have a strong enough why, God will always show you the how. Jarius had no idea how, he just knew why he needed to get to Jesus. And desperation produces trust. And then thirdly, I see that desperation produced urgency. Urgency. You know, when your child is dying, nothing else matters, does it? You know what? She was dying. You know what? So are you. Jarius realized that about his daughter. Most of us don't realize that about us. David. David had an awesome prayer that maybe we should just make part of our daily prayer. David prayed in Psalm 39, Teach me, O Lord, about the end of my life. Teach me about the number of days I have left so that I may know how temporary my life is. I'm not sure we think much about how temporary our life is. Certainly I doubt if the teens do. Probably not so much the university students. But you know, when you get to be my age, you start realizing life is fading away pretty rapidly. The Bible describes our life in this way. Think of some of these descriptions in the Bible of your life. A mist. A fast runner. A breath. A wisp. Of smoke. For Jarius' daughter, it was tragically too short. But for you and I, we need to understand life is equally a mist, but a breath. 
You know, the resurrection, it reminds me of a lot of things, but one of the things it reminds me of this morning is that eternity is all that matters. Someone said, you will not be in heaven more than two seconds. Those of you that will make it, before you cry out, why did I waste so much time, energy, and concern about what wasn't going to last? Bottom line, you're not desperate to get to Jesus unless you're urgent to get to Jesus. He didn't have to think about it. He didn't have to pray about it. He didn't have to study it out. He didn't have to seek advice or look at his busy schedule. He was so desperate to get to Jesus, he just got up when he heard he was there, and he went. Jarius was desperate to get to Jesus. The second quality about Jarius that will allow us to tap the power of the resurrection in our life, is that, very importantly, Jairus imitated the faith of others. You know, in my 35 years of serving God, one of the things that has helped me to grow more than anything else is finding someone who spiritually personifies what I want to become, to lock onto it, to watch it, and to imitate it. Boy, if you're visiting this morning and, you know, you're kind of new to this whole Christianity stuff, at least uh, you're not a very frequent participant, maybe you just need to look at the person who invited you and say, I'm going to grab onto them. I'm going to look for the spiritual qualities in their life, and I'm going to hold on for dear life. And what you're going to find is that imitation, imitating the faith of others as Jairus would have to do, will get you through really the tough times. You see, imitation is defined as making a copy of something. To follow as a model or an example. To reproduce closely. Who are you imitating? Spiritually. You know, at the very least, it should be Jesus. But the Bible talks so much about how we need to imitate others as they imitate Christ because this helps us to take on the Christ-like attributes in our life. You see, Jairus had made it to Jesus. But he wasn't home yet. They had to make their way through the crowd. Time was of the essence. But there was a bleeding woman that, dare I say, interfered in the journey. The Bible says that this woman had been bleeding for 12 years. You know, there's so many things in the Bible when you study it out, you just don't think are coincidence anymore. The daughter who was dying was 12 years old. The woman who was bleeding had been suffering and hemorrhaging for that exact length of time, 12 years. 
coincidence? I don't think so. And we may not always understand what is God is doing, but you can always be assured of this. God is up to something. While Jerry, Jesus was ministering to this woman and getting delayed in the process, it says in verse 35, they show up, some men, and say, the worst of possible news. Your daughter is dead. There is no need to bother the teacher anymore. Now, get ready to hang your hat on what happens next here in the story. Because what I discover is that Jesus goes from being led to leading. From being convinced by Jairus to convincing Jairus. From being admired to being laughed at. From helping out the people to casting out the people. Here is where Jesus takes control. In verse 36, we read a great line. But Jesus paid no attention to what they said. Man, I love that line. It describes the critical principle of Seeing the unseen. Ignoring what people say. Turning them off in your life. Blocking the naysayers out. And if you have to, yes, walking away from those who push you away from God. And weaken your faith. You see, my question this morning is who do you need to ignore this morning in your life? Jesus turns immediately to Jairus. He commands him, don't be afraid, just believe. And in that simple phrase, he compels and commands Jairus to borrow his faith. When Jesus says, just believe, he's saying, don't limit your possibilities today to the visible. Don't be controlled by simply the logical. Don't listen only to the audible. Believe that there is more to life, more than meets the eye. In verse 37, Jesus let only Peter and James and John go with him. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus found many people there making lots of noise and crying loudly. Man, people were already piling in. What a great synagogue that was. They were bringing the casserole dishes for the grieving family. They were there mourning with those who mourn. He's not phased at all by the reports of the girl's death. And when he sees people crying and mourning over death, he simply wants to know why they're crying. 
Why are you crying, he says. Which really brings us to the theme of this sermon. You know, take a lot of comfort this morning that Jesus just didn't know how to act at funerals. You can imitate a lot of things about Jesus. And in fact, you really are called to imitate Jesus. But one thing you don't want to imitate, just take it from me, is Jesus' funeral etiquette. What he says and what he does. He says things like, get up. As he goes up to the coffin. She's not dead. She's asleep. Stand up. Come out of the tomb. Take off your grave clothes and let him go. Guys, all these things are in the Bible. You see, Jesus never had to conduct a funeral. No one ever died or at least stayed dead in his immediate presence. That's because he is the resurrection and the life. You know, the man... The man just didn't know how to act because when we see death, we see disaster. When Jesus sees death, he sees deliverance. That was just too much for most mourners to take in. And the Bible says they actually laugh at Jesus. Now I want you to picture this. They're laughing at God. They're just saying, he's out of his mind. They're laughing at him. Now look closely because you're not going to believe what he does next as we've seen. He throws the mourners out. Seriously, that's what he does. He comes into the wake and he throws them out. Now, you can't really appreciate this without looking at the Greek. But he doesn't just politely ask them to leave. He throws them out literally. He picks them up by the collar and by the belt and sets them sailing. That's what it says in the Greek. His his response was strong and decisive. In the original Greek text, the word used here is the same word used to describe what Jesus did to the money changers in the temple. Now, if the ushers treated you that way this morning, you probably wouldn't come back next Sunday. So we've worked with them, and hopefully they were polite. But it's the same verse, it's the same phraseology, the verb, that is used 38 times To describe what Jesus did to the demons. You think Satan had a presence there at that morning? 
You think Satan was having a party and celebrating the death of that young girl? I'm just saying, it's fascinating to watch Jesus' funeral etiquette. What do you need? What do you need to throw out of your life this Easter morning? To pick it up by the belt and to literally throw it out of your life. As we close, we see this in Mark 5, verse 40. It says, Jesus took the child. Father and mother went into the room where the child was. Taking hold of the girl's hand, he said to her, Talatha kuam, which means, young girl, I tell you, stand up. At once the girl stood right up and began walking. She was 12 years old. Everyone was completely amazed. And Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell the people about this. Yeah, I'm sure that worked out well. And then he told them to give the girls something to eat. You know, as a minister, I've presided over countless funerals. But I have to tell you, I've yet to preside over a resurrection. However, Jesus did. And you may not know this, but if you read the scriptures, you'll see he did it four times. With the fourth being his own. Jairus got his daughter back. But understand this. It wasn't for her sake. She was far better off in heaven. But for our sake, to teach us that heaven sees when we trust. You see, the question this morning, again, is who are you imitating? You aren't going to make it alone. That's why some of you won't even be back till Christmas if you're even back at Christmas. Because Christianity is not a solo sport. You need a community. You need the daily encouragement of disciples involved in your life, grabbing you just as Jesus grabbed Jairus to bring him all the way to victory. Our last scripture, Ephesians 1, verse 18. I have to close with this. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which you were called, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Did you catch that? His incomparably great power for us 
us who believe, then you're not going to believe what it says next. That power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ Jesus from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Do you really understand what's available to you this morning? The power that you, like Jarius, can truly tap into. You see, we can tap it too if we're desperate to get to Jesus. And if we imitate the faith of others along the way. Think about this. Many people saw Jesus on that day. The crowds were so thick that Jesus, or Jairus, barely got to Jesus. However, what's really sobering is only a handful truly had their lives changed. This Easter morning, Let's not just be those who show up to see what the hubbub is about around Jesus. But let us be those who, like Jarius, decide to be desperate to get to Jesus and to imitate the faith we're going to need to imitate along the way to get there. May God bless us to truly tap the power of the resurrection we celebrate this morning.